Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Take a seat. I love the two-minute mingle. It feels like yesterday, but actually it was 11 years. I was in the same room doing the two-minute mingle with this girl I liked. So I want to introduce you to this girl. This is my wife, Leah. If you were here a couple months ago when I shared, we met in this room. New Life Young Adults found love in this room. And so I understand the pressure. You're walking into this room where am I going to sit? Where are my people? Who am I going to sit with? Am I going to talk to this person? Am I going to talk to that person? Do I have someone to sit with? What am I going to be, what am I going to wear in the morning, right? Do you guys still go through that? You think about that process? Um, But the two-minute mingle is beautiful. Um, I was just talking to a friend, and I said, you know, get to know each other. There is a great joy in the fellowship of other believers in the church in this young adult. So I love seeing a pack house this morning. Uh, we used to make the coffee, so now I just came and enjoyed the coffee. So where are all these volunteers that made the coffee for us this morning? Thank you. You know they get here at 8.15, make you coffee, set up the room, pray for you, and prepare for the morning. And so, but as I was praying for you this morning, um, a really weird picture came to my mind. And so I was getting out of bed, it's dark in our house, and I'm praying for the young adults. And the Lord reminded me of this really odd scripture. It says, where there are no ox, the barn is clean. What that means simply, and the Lord says also, that his yoke is easy. Um, Raise your hand if you know what a yoke is. Okay, so half of us. A yoke... And if you raise your hand but you don't really know what a yoke is, that's kind of funny. A yoke is where they would put on the oxen, but it would be for two necks. Two oxen would plow the field. And so Jesus is saying that he wants to get into the yoke with us. So here I am with my neck in the yoke, and Jesus is saying his neck in the yoke. Well, guess who's stronger? Jesus. Guess who wants to carry the burden for us? Jesus. Guess who wants to do the work in your life? Prepare the place that you're supposed to go. Who wants to meet with you this morning? Jesus. He says his yoke is easy when we get in it with him. What happens if we decide we want to take on it all on our own? Get in the yoke. Plow this field. The purposes and the plans that the Lord has for your life all by yourself. It's heavy. It's hard. The harvest is not going to be plentiful. It's going to be less. And so when we gather, we're saying yes Come, Lord, come. We want to get in the yoke with you. So bow your heads with me, and let's pray for the morning. Lord, as we do in young adults, we pause. And we say, speak. We breathe deeply and ask for you to fill our lungs. We breathe. Breathe out your praise. Lord, I understand that um, when we go plow the fields with you, we come back to the barn, we come back, and it's dirty. And so as we talk about friendship this morning, I understand that um, it's not always easy. 
and we've been hurt by people. And, um, and for that, we say, come and heal us. And for my friends, I say, Lord, come and heal them. Lord, it is so much better to get in the yoke with you. And even if we plow fields and we do what you're asking us to do, but it doesn't work out and it's still messy, it's worth it. We are not created um, to just everything be clean. We're created to stay in step with your spirit. And if that looks like some of our friendships and our barn and schooling's hard and it's messy, um, it still also means that you're with us in it. And so we, we do that this morning. We invite you, Lord, for those who have had friendships that have um, gone on a, a difficult path, Lord, um, we release those to you right now. And we take on your easy yoke and your light burden this morning. And we come to praise you and worship you and to open up your scriptures. And we say thank you for meeting with us. So come, in Jesus' name, amen. If you will, open up your Bibles to John 17. John 17 in the scriptures is Jesus' longest prayer. We often hear of the Lord's Prayer, real concise, real perfect, um, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, your will be done. But this is Jesus' longest prayer. And he goes on, probably praying like you and I pray, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he says the same thing over and over. And we got to see the, the context of this. In John 16, right before verse 17, this is right before Jesus is going to be arrested. And he knows it. He knows they're coming for him. They just broke bread together in the upper room. He washed his disciples' feet. Judas is going to betray him. And he is with his disciples. And he stops to pray. And he says in verse 16, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Jesus says, man, I, I, I came and now I'm going back. A time is coming, and in fact, the time has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. He's talking to his disciples, remember. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Man, to go um, to be arrested and have his people with him, he's going to go and he's going to be alone. And even for Jesus, he's saying, this is This is hard. I don't want to go at this alone. I've told you these things that you, so that in me you may have peace. And so he stops and says, I don't want to do this, but I actually pray for you that you'll have peace. And he says to us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so as we get into this prayer, it's long because Jesus is 26 verses, but it's also long for the scope of the prayer. He's going to pray for himself. As we see Jesus so beautifully ask for what he needs, he's going to pray for his disciples, and then he's going to pray for you. And so in verse 1, he says, you guys got it in your Bibles? So verse 1, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Glorify your Son. I'm here to do your will, and then would you be glorified? Verse 6, he transitions into praying for his disciples. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you have given me. 
he's saying here the disciples are actually a gift from the Lord. These friends that our Lord Jesus has had, these disciples, have actually been given to him from Jesus. Verse 12, he says, While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. Then he goes on to say, My prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth of your word, which is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And now, if you don't have your rivals, we're going to put these scriptures up here, and this is where we're going to settle for the day. As Jesus prays for us, my prayer is not for them alone. My, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, the gospel, the good news, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Thank you, Lord. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Unity means together, right? But a strong sense of together. Um, I think of like a marriage, like oneness, so that we may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. When I, this is uh, family language. Um, I think of the different languages that we have. We say, tis tamers do this or tis tamers do that. Or Sarah says, empty hammer. That's, this is family language, a language that we have um, together. Um, but it, it, it would be responsible for us to look back on this family language. And so in thinking about this, I think of Genesis 1. And I want to read this to you. Then God said, let us. Who's us? In the very beginning, God's saying that Jesus was there before the creation of the time. And we see that the Holy Spirit was hovering above the waters. And so God says, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they, who's they? You, us, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the livestock, all the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind. He created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And so we see that God the Father 
is not alone in the beginning. This true truth helped shape the early church, and it eventually developed into an understanding of the Trinity. There is only one God, but Scripture speaks of him as three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so today, I've titled my sermon to be one, to be one. And what does this look like? It got me thinking, two weeks ago, we went to California, Newport Beach, and we're getting on the airplane, and um, I don't like getting on airplanes. Who here um, travels a little bit? You know, you have to get up to go to Denver because you get like $100 off, which is not worth it. And it's like, I had to get up at 5.15, and my parents met us at our house, and we get into the van, and we got to wake up the kids, and they're kicking and screaming, and you tell them... um, Go ahead, wear your jeans to bed because you don't want to get them dressed in the morning. 5.30, you start taking that trek up to Denver, and you get there, and then you get to Denver, and you got to check in, and then you have to get on a shuttle. Wait, wait, we park, and we got to get on a shuttle, and then we got to get on a train, and then we got to get on an escalator and an elevator, and then finally we're at our gate, and we're sitting down, and I don't know if any of you are like me, so we start playing Pokemon Go. My daughter, she's six, we're playing Pokemon Go, waiting for a plane, but because we went with my parents, they wanted to be there, like, super early, so we're at the terminal, like, two hours, right? The flight's at 9.50, and we finally get there, and it's 7.50, just in case there's a ton of traffic at 7.50 in the morning. We had to leave early, and we get up there, and I'm sitting there with my daughter playing Pokemon Go, having a good time, and I hear someone yell out, Pastor, Pastor, and I'm playing, you know? Pastor, uh, I see someone, they're waving at me, like, to come over, and everyone's looking around, this guy's yelling, Pastor, and I don't know, um, I'll be honest, when someone calls me Pastor, I kind of look over my shoulder and say, who are they talking to? <laughs> Still, we go to coffee, and you're like, Pastor, tell me about this scripture. I'm looking over my shoulder, like, who are, who are they talking to? So I walk over to this guy, and he says, do you remember me? No, I don't remember you, I'm sorry, you um, were a youth leader for my son eight years ago. Oh, awesome. And he starts telling me about his son. He's doing really well. He's got cleaned up, and he's got a good job. He's working for the city. And then still, it's like everyone's watching us because he just yelled pastor like seven times. And so he's like, would you pray for me? And so, yeah, of course, I'll pray for him. And I'm praying for him at the airport and, and there, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I don't yeah. That, that's just, okay, I'm glad I got to pray for him, but that's not really how we're supposed to do it. And then, um, and let me define that. I think when you need prayer, you turn to the person on your right. You say, pray for me. You call your friends. It's not in, this, in the middle of the airport that you're yelling out for someone that you don't know to pray for you. But then we get into the airplane. We get into the airplane, and um, again, I'm thinking like everyone knows I'm the pastor now. So what do you think my first thought was? Lord, please let no one sit next to me. (laughs) Right? I'm getting on the airplane. I've been up super early, late to bed, super late, and I just want to sleep. And so we get on the airplane, and it got me thinking. Um, The difference between what it looks like to be together in an airport and to be together in young adults. It got me thinking what it looks like to be 
um, together at Dodger Stadium, seven-hour, 36-minute game with 56,000 people staying till 2 in the morning together. Together, but not really together, right? It got me thinking about that, and I thought, so um, hopefully you guys can follow me with this. But all of us were getting on the airplane. Um, fine. And in church, young adults, um, all of us are coming here to mor- this morning, but we are actually together. We hope that no one sits next to us on the airplane. Uh, I bet you were like me 11 years ago. You really hope that someone sat next to you this morning. Let's be honest. It's really hard if you're sitting there and you see people coming in. Are they going to sit with me? Um, we want to be in fellowship with each other. Um, on the airplane, we're all going in the same location. Like we were going from Denver to Orange County. Um, but once we got there, seriously, we had 100 different agendas. Right? I got to go to the beach. Some people were probably working. Some people were going to Disneyland. Some people were seeing family. Some people were happy. Um, they're visiting, and some people were actually probably going home for something sad. Some people were coming home to California, and some people were visiting. Um, but in our faith, um, and in here as young adults, I would propose to you this morning um, that we all have different callings and agendas, opposite, all right? But we're all actually going to the same place. We all actually have the same purpose as Christ followers, and that is heaven as we see Jesus pray for us, that they would come where I'm going. Um, When we get off the airplane, there's probably a good chance, minus my family, that we'll never see each other again. Um, But it's an absolute certainty, um, as us who love Jesus and follow Jesus, that we will see each other again, um, that we will spend eternity worshiping the Lord. And so right now we're going to spend some time on some discussion questions. I want to know from you guys, what are some of your favorite things that go together? Okay, so it's going to lead into something. My wife Leah's favorite things, chips and salsa. Um, And so what's better together, right? So what are some things in your life that are better together, like chips and salsa? Question number two, Um, we'll kind of go back and forth with these questions, Um, but what brings us together? And this could be totally an Air Force football game, and they played their hearts out yesterday. It was awesome to see. What brings us together? Dodgers, right? Broncos at 11 o'clock. 9 a.m. service was more full this morning than last week. People want to get home to see the 11 o'clock Broncos game, right? So go ahead, gather together those two questions. All right, my wife said she really hoped that someone said... Chocolate and peanut butter. Did anybody? She'll buy you a Reese's Pieces over at the bookstore. Chocolate and peanut butter, Chris. Anybody? Oh, that's Abram. That's a lot of cho- uh, Reese's Pieces. Chocolate and peanut butter. Well, if you if you said it at the table, it's whoever said it first. You can't all just agree and get a Reese's peanut butter. So chocolate and peanut butter. Um, there's a lot of things that we could say go well together. Doesn't make them holy, right? What brings us together? There's a lot of things that brings us together, but doesn't necessarily allow us to be one, like an, air, like an airplane. Um, I was thinking that there's two ways of togetherness. Is that a word, togetherness? There's shoulder to shoulder, uh, like we would be on an airplane or we'd go see a movie. Um, like we're together. Um, we're shoulder to shoulder. And there is beautiful um, 
scriptural just um, symbolism for this, you know, that two have a better return for their wage and that they can watch each other's back and they can keep each other warm. So there's this shoulder to shoulder that is so a necessity. But there's also this eye to eye, right? That also we're together, we're eye to eye, we're talking about things that are important to us. Um, So in our family, my dad has um, gotten sick over the last six months, and there's this common enemy that we call cancer. And, and we say that we are against this, and um, we actually know that the Lord is against this, and he's against sickness. And so there can be an enemy um, that brings us together, and we're able to support each other. Prayer, where we're eye-to-eye and hand-to-hand, bring us together. Um, but how do we be one? I think of my grandparents. I think of them at Christmas. They were married almost 60 years. And I see my grandma. She's like four foot 11. She would tell you she's five foot, but she's not. <laughs> and then there's my grandpa, football player. Um, he's in the Anaheim Hall of Fame and in California for uh, being a quarterback and he is just a man's man, you know, 6'3", and he was probably way overweight um, as I knew him. But here's my little grandma sitting on his lap um, together, faithfully together, storming all these things of life together. The, the kiddos, three kiddos, raising three kiddos, um, different jobs, um, times in the valley and times in the mountain. But I think there's a, a level of that of being um, one. Um, And my question would be, do we treat the lady at the cash register better than we treat our friends? Are you kinder um, to someone that you have very little little level of um, importance to than the people that are most important to you? Even if the people that are most important to you haven't been the best. Because I know for me, it's really easy to be kind to the stranger than it is to be kind to my wife when I come home from a bad day and I'm just feeling overwhelmed or I've come home from a funeral, officiated a funeral, and you're just tired. And do you want to be um, kind? And so we started practicing one of these tools. I just tell my family, hey, let me get my shoes off. Like, I'm coming home. I'll stop in the driveway. I'll pray, I'll come in the house, and my kids will come running up, Daddy, Daddy, let's play, let's wrestle. And I will say, oh, let me get my shoes off. Will you want to help me? Grab me a drink of water. And so we start having this language again. Um, but I want to propose to you today, um, one of the biggest factors, today we'll keep it one, for being one is intimacy. Intimacy. It's probably not a word um, that you're super familiar with. So one of the joys of being a pastor on staff here is that I get to do um, premarital counseling. I officiated a wedding yesterday. Um, I'm officiating a wedding back here for my friends. And we, my wife and I, just love meeting with young couples in that wonderful season of their life because there's so much that you're learning, there's so much joy, and there's so much you're looking forward to. And we ask them, how would you define intimacy? And in that setting, we often think sexually. We think physically. And, but for me, intimacy needs to be our minds, our souls, our bodies, and our spirits. I would simply propose to you today that intimacy would be defined 
as knowing and being known. To know someone, their likes, their ways of relating, their love languages, and for that person in return, desiring to know that about you. It's discipleship also. For me to know where you're in school, to know about your family, to know about your likes and your dislikes, and for you to know part about me would be the way that we would disciple. Um, The best, um, I was just praying for today, I was thinking about my brother. My brother. Um, I would imagine that most of us have siblings or cousins, and uh, we've done life together, and we do know each other. He knows more about me than anyone, um, but it doesn't mean that we've always been friends. And so there's this intimacy, and then there's this deep kindness that's rooted, that's kind of grafted together, and comes this intimate love that we would have for each other. I remember my brother and I, 12 years ago, moving to Colorado Springs and leaving Orange County, and my brother said, I'm going to leave too. And he headed out to Missouri. He didn't make as good a choice as I did coming to Colorado Springs. And um, he only lasted, I think, like five months in Missouri because he left in, like, September. And he was there till December. That's not a good time to be in Missouri. And he came back to Colorado Springs for Christmas. And I remember on New Year's Eve, um, him starting opening up as a friend. He said, you know... Um, graduated high school, college, started doing my own thing, kind of got on the right, wrong path. You know what I need? You know what I think we should do in the new year? You and I, we should ride, read the Bible together every day. We should open up the scriptures. Would you help me be accountable to this? And I said, yes. It was really an answer to prayer from what I wanted. And we did that. And you know what started happening? A deep love and care for each other. It wasn't like, did you get in the word today? It was like, how are you doing? We were talking. We were connected. um, And there was that deep intimacy. My brother and I transitioned from just being friends, um, just being brothers and acquaintances, to actually being friends. Does that make sense? There's a difference there. I'm calling you into being one with each other as a church and to have friends. Um, But why? Why? Um, why would we um, do this? Um, Like my brother, I think that there's a mutual bond. I think that there's a standard that we call each other to. Like no one comes to young adults and church and gets up early on a Sunday morning and is not saying, I want to spend time with the Lord. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. But brothers, sisters, I just don't know that we can do that alone. We need people that are going to walk alongside of us, that we could be one as Christ is one with the Father. Um, I think our fellowship depends on it. Um, Scripture says, exhort one another every day while there's still a day, that none of you would be hardened or deceived by sin. Um, I got blind spots, right? You guys drive. You know what a blind spot is where you can't see. And now they've made cars for us that have these blinkers, right, that tell us there's a blind spot, that's what happens when we're able to be one with each other. Um, John 13, 34, Gabriel, put that up for me. So the why, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love 
one another. By this, this is our love for each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way and the why of loving one another and being one, as you guys care for each other, as we gather as a church, the world out there is going to know there is something different. Oftentimes, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, preach the word at all times. Share the gospel. And don't use words. So this idea, um, and I said that backwards, but you guys get that quote, so I just made up a new quote, if you've heard it said before differently. Preach the word at all times, and if necessary, use words. Preach the word at all times, and if necessary, use words. Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so in landing the plan, I just want to go back to um, John 17 and Jesus saying the why. Again, he says, my prayer, verse 21, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Friends, we are called by Jesus here to be one with him, to be in relationship, but it's an and, not an or, to love one another, to be in relationship with each other. And so I want to take you back into um, a couple more questions, um, table discussions. The first one, though, I want this to be your prayer. I want this to be our response for today. So question one would be, how must I work at being a friend and not an acquaintance? So if you've got notes, I know there's paper, paper there. Gabriel's going to bring this up. Okay, How must I work at being a friend and not just an acquaintance? And my brother took that first step there. So when I share that story of my brother to come to me and say, hey, let's be friends in this. Let's work at this together um, to mutually care for each other. And then take two minutes. So it's 10.25, and then 10.27, start coming back into table discussion. The next question is, how can we do life together and work towards being one and loving each other? How can we love each other better? Guys, I, I would not have liked, as a 26-year-old sitting in this room, to have to share with the person across from me on my basketball team, um, how, how can I love you better? Man, trust me, as a 26-year-old, there's nothing I would have liked um, least than to say, hey, you know what I need? I need this from you. But if you haven't done this, I'm inviting you into something incredibly beautiful that you actually have deep-rooted friendships. So go ahead, two minutes, first pray. And as you're praying, um, go ahead, bow your heads. Go ahead, um, try to get your eyes on the Lord. Um, as you're praying, ask the Lord, is there something I need to um, share with the people at my table that I need their love? Um, I, I want to be cared for. I want friendship. Um, I came in with someone, and we've talked about last night and the whole way here, and I actually desire something much deeper, um, a deeper friendship. And so ask the Lord, um, what is it that I need to be a good friend and to have good friends?
And Lord, so we thank you that you hear us. And if we, can, if, we, if we have the courage to share with our friends, or maybe it's not even the right setting, maybe at lunch we need to share with our friends, or at a later time, um, but we share with you, we know that you hear our heart, even if we can't even express it in the right ways. And so, Lord, for um, our requests of you, we're so glad that you hear it and that you want to come alongside us in that. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So take a couple minutes and uh, answer this question at your table. Well, I'm going to wrap this up just so we can honor your time. Um, How many of you guys get oil changes in your car? If you don't know you're supposed to get an oil change for your car, here's your public service announcement. You're supposed to get oil changes for your car. I often... I love seeing the smiles in these conversations. This is so valuable. Um, and I wish I didn't have to break it up. Um, I, I think of oil changes for my car um, kind of like I do for caring for myself. Um, if you're waiting for your car to start clinking and clunking and breaking down the side of the road before you get fixed, um, you're not, you're stupid. <laughs> you need, you need to take care of your car. Oh, and also another public service announcement, the winter is coming, and so if you have bald tires, you should probably get help getting better tires on your car. I say this, though, there is no better investment that you guys can make than to take care of yourselves, to take care of your souls. And if you found value in these friendships of being able to open up to someone at your table... Um, take the investment to buy a coffee for them. To say, hey, can we go get Starbucks? Can we sit down and talk about some of these blind spots? You know, I actually want to start reading the scriptures, uh, but I think that I need someone to help me. Would you be willing to help me? Can we go through a version Bible app together? Um, friends, that investment to buy someone a $4 coffee is like getting our oil change in our car. It's way worth it. It's so much better to then when you find yourself in trauma and in pain and in hurt on the side of the road to not have someone you can call. Um, I don't, um, if you think you're a macho and you can do it on your own, um, I'm sorry, but you're going to be disappointed. Um, you're going to need people. Lastly, I wanted to wrap up um, with remembering that we need to be one with Jesus. Um, And that Christians, since the beginning, since the very first century, have been saying that the world was created for the sake of the church. That Jesus created the cosmos, that we could be his. That we could worship him, that we could be in relationship with him. And he says... Believers in Jesus Christ are the bride of Christ. And we wait with great anticipation and enjoy friendship with him now because one day we will be united to him as the bridegroom. Until then, we remain faithful to him and join in unity with all the believers saying these last words in Scripture. So if you turn to the very last page of your Scripture, of the Scriptures, it would say, Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, his, all of God's holy people.
And so this is our cry, that we actually do life together and we're created to be one because God is one. In his very nature, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in our very nature, we are created to be with each other and to be in unity with the Lord. And so um, I put this quote up here, just kind of our response today. Um, if you want to write this down and remember it, but the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our purpose, to glorify God on this earth because we will, as Christ followers, enjoy Him forever. And so I just want to um, say thank you for coming to Young Adults. You guys are in for a treat as we talk about this. We're going to head over together for the 11 o'clock service. We're having water baptisms today. And so if you haven't witnessed, yeah, give it up. If you're not sure about what water baptism is, it's really the people of God um, saying yes to Jesus and yes to his people. So everything we were just talking about, it's that um, big party, that ceremony. Like like ones that are going to get married, they have a wedding to celebrate and announce. Water baptism is an announcement that you love Jesus and want to worship him forever. And so I just wanted to say today, if you've never made that public announcement and said, I love Jesus and want to worship him forever and told all your friends, today's the day. Today's the day, 11 o'clock, just right across there. Um, You get in this cross. It's a pool in the middle of the big old church. You walk down to this cross and you'll be dunked into the water, baptized. And we come out of the water saying, we are a new, we have new life through Jesus Christ. And so Water baptisms, if you would like to join us, come talk to me. But everyone, please come and witness and celebrate this today. So let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you um, for these young adults, um, that you've called them by name, and that you know them, and that you love them from the beginning of time. You actually said that you fearfully and wonderfully created them in their mother's womb. And so I pray today that they would walk out of here knowing that they are loved by you, that they actually reflect you so beautifully when they love each other, and that they will be loved by you and spend eternity with you forever for those who said, have said yes to Jesus. And so Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them, turns towards them, face to face with them, and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.